Germany's time again. World Cup winners for a fourth time. Only Brazil can beat that. But here in Brazil... Welcome to the very first episode of the Spod Kick Podcast. I am Moran Mohammadi with my co-host Arjun Walia. And if you're listening, you know why you're here. And this is why we're here, to talk about footy, football, soccer, however you want to call it. We love it and you love it. And what better way to get our first episode underway with this Thursday's World Cup and arguably the most underwhelming opening day matchup in recent memory, Russia and Saudi Arabia. Arjun, I'm going to let you get underway with Group A. Let me know what you think. So yeah, basically to summarize the group and recap it, we have Russia, Saudi Arabia, as you just mentioned, and we also have Egypt and Uruguay. So not the brightest group, but like you said, for the second spot, there's going to be a lot of competition, I think. So we'll start with the first spot, Uruguay, the favorites. They're ranked 14th in FIFA World Cup rankings. Uh, they finished second in qualifying just behind Brazil. So this is a good team. right? They have really good star players in Cavani, Suarez, Godin. So those are the players we know. They also have Jimenez, Caceres. And they also have some young guys as well. Um, so somebody that's up and coming is Nandez. He's a good guy that's playing in the midfield for that team. So this is a team that's experienced. They've been there before. They have a coach that's coaching in his third World Cup in a row. So he's 70 years old now. They were there when Diego Forlan took them far in 2010 in South Africa. So this team knows how to get it done. I can't see them not finishing first in this group. Um, For me, while most people think Suarez is the big threat, I actually think Cavani is going to be the good guy on that team. He scored the most goals from the qualifying rounds, and I think people overlook Cavani. They don't think about all the skills uh, that he has. People look at Suarez and they think about his dribbling, how he can nutmeg defenders and do all these brilliant goals. But for a striker, all your job is to do is just put the ball in the net. doesn't matter how pretty it needs to be, but just put the ball in the net. I think uh, you hit it on the point, but I look at the polar opposite. What's different about this Uruguay team compared to recent memory is the back line in specific there's two guys from Atletico Madrid Jimenez and Godin they have people to protect the goal and that's not something we saw in 2010 nor in 2014 they had Godin in 2014 but not Jimenez so that's going to be very key highlight to see if whether this Uruguay team will be able to extend a deep run into this tournament and like you mentioned their talent pool is rather deep but the thing is about the rest of the group, it doesn't reciprocate with the other three teams, with <laughs> Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Russia, Arjun. I agree, I agree. Well, I mean, you have Egypt, Mo Salah. That's the first word that comes when you say Egypt to anybody, Mo Salah. And, right? and he's a little handicapped. We saw what Ramos did to him. We don't know if he's going to be up to par as uh, Ex- his season. Exactly started. what you're saying. It's been a couple weeks now since he's last played his game. I know it's a shoulder injury. It's not something that it's like a hamstring or something that might occur again. I think once the shoulder is good. He should be okay. Hopefully, he won't get into any crazy challenges. But I feel like people think that when they're thinking about Egypt, they think, oh, Mo Salah's going to carry them. Again, this is a team sport. Even when he's on Liverpool, it's a team sport. You have to think about the style, the way they play. you got to think about their other players. Uh, one of the players you know very well, being an Arsenal supporter, mm-hmm. Al Neni, right? He's been holding the team down pretty well in center defensive mid. Um, but yeah, to think this team, they have a good system. Right from what we saw and what we've been watching, at least they play really good defense. But right? is it a good system? Because it's really, it's really the antithesis of what Salah has been the entire pretty year. Pretty much, counterattack. It's too conservative, too pragmatic, and it really limits the likes of a Salah to really, you know, extend 
his talent level towards you know other teams. Let's say Uruguay. Exactly. No, I don't. I, I agree with you. I think you know Salah had an amazing year. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. He was the best player in Liverpool. Got Premier League Player of the Year for sure. Deserved. Um, but for me. I don't think you can expect Salah to carry this team like Messi carries Argentina. Don't, don't. I don't want to hear him being in the same category as that. Like he's a phenomenal player that can do it all, but it, it's really going to be dependent on the other players that surround him and how much they can get in the ball and in those chances. Now, I think the only way that they can progress far is with their counterattacking style. Just because if they do it against Saudi Arabia and Russia, I can see them being those two teams. To just extend upon that. To highlight the other two teams, I think the most important matchup in this group is arguably the opening day game between Russia and Saudi Arabia. One of those teams can get all three points. They are right there in the driver's seat because we're expecting Uruguay to top this group, arguably may win every game. So whoever comes out on top in that opening day matchup, especially if it's Russia with that home crowd, will have an upper advantage. Don't you agree? No, yeah, for sure. I think I think home crowd's going to be very interesting. In Russia especially, it's not like any other countries play in Russia domestically or anything like that, right? Whereas we have it in Spain or Brazil or in one of those countries, they're used to the pitches there. Even the foreign players are used to playing in Spain, right? But with Russia, it's totally different from that. Um, so maybe the Russian team can gather on their host because they've been really disappointing whenever they've been in the World Cup, to be honest. Uh, they have a great keeper in Akinfeev, but man, this guy makes so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Big mistakes too. He's phenomenal, but... He makes so many mistakes. This is a team that had Fabio Capello as their coach, and they still couldn't go anywhere. Um, they seem to be a little better now. More Again, more defensive. It seems like a lot of the teams are defensive in this group. But um, again, they're one of the lowest-ranking teams, and they might actually even lose to Saudi Arabia, who is the other lowest-ranked team, as you mentioned. And only this is like their fifth World Cup that they've ever had. Um, but yeah, that team... I, can, I don't know if Russia can go through. For me, I don't have Russia coming second. I have Egypt coming second. And that's where I agree with you. I think we can both come to a compromise that Uruguay will top the group. Egypt will come second. I probably have Russia third. You might have Russia third, maybe. I have Russia third. third and then we have Saudi Arabia last. Um, I think the moment's just too big for them. Arguably. Um, maybe we're not exposed to Saudi Arabia as some fans who are listening might be. Um, their, their strikers was the leading goal scorer in the Asian qualifiers. You can say his name for me. Mohamed Al-Salawi. Hey, that would be a fun name to say for commentators <laughs> in the World Cup. Sorry if I butchered it. But it will come down to Uruguay, Egypt that probably progress out of this group. And that's it for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to just get jumped in headed right away and go to Group B. Because that, that's the group that's probably the best in the World Cup right now. Um Portugal, Spain, don't forget about Morocco and Iran. So those are the four teams in that group. Of course, the two powerhouses, the first matchup in that group, Portugal versus Spain. What do you like? I think it's going to be a contrast in styles. Spain, historically, traditionally, we've seen in their triumphs at the 08 and 2012 Euros. We saw at the 2010 World Cup. They want to dominate possession. They want to hold on to the ball. But this is a new era in Spanish football. We're not, seeing the, we're not seeing the likes of Xavi anymore, David Villa. We're seeing a past his prime, Andres Iniesta. This is the likes of Isco, the likes of David Silva who are in, who are in the squad. And I think maybe, in my opinion, Isco's the guy that has to put a lot, all the pressure on him and take this bull by the horn. Hmm. 
Uh, again, it's different than Real Madrid. Real Madrid, you got Gareth Bale, you got Ronaldo, and you got Benzema ahead of you. Spain, who's their attack? That's that's the one issue for me. Like they have this is why Spain are actually one of my favorites. They got Ramos and Pique as a center back partnership once again. Again, this is the team that won in 2010. This is again, they were partnership again in 2012 in Euros, 2014, again in 2016 in partnership again. These two center backs are fortresses. They're amazing. They played Barcelona, Real Madrid. Guess who's in keeper as well? De Gea. I can't see this team really conceding too much unless they break down. They're going to keep a lot of possession. That's what one of them in 2010. Possession's kind of... I kind of felt like possession's went a little bit downhill since then. That's why they've been going through a little bit of a rebuilding phase, you can kind of say, once getting rid of, of uh, Del Bosque. But uh, for me, it's, the big question is, can they score the goals? Like, who's their striker? We have Costa, Aspas, and Rodrigo, as who's in the squad. Uh, I imagine Costa's going to start. But my question is, can Costa get the job done for them? Or any of the strikers? Can they score? Uh, well, yeah, and it'll be tough because in recent memory with the Spanish team, they haven't had the same ease to break down teams. We saw the 2016 Euros. They lost to a Croatian side, a very pragmatic and disciplined Croatian side. And then they got maybe in some eyes, embarrassingly, embarrassingly kicked out by the Italian squad that you know was probably a level under them in talent. So it's going to be interesting, especially against a Portugal team that abides by that philosophy. Pragmatic, conservative, grinded out, defensive-oriented. That's how, that's how they won the Euros. So it'll be very interesting, that opening game. It'll tell us a lot about what each team is going to do moving forward. Now... The polar opposite of that, of that group within the same day is Morocco and Iran. <laughs> and me being an Iranian, um, this is more of my heart than my head. So, you know, you might want to rule out my opinion. It's going to be a huge game for either side. A Morocco team that hasn't been to the World Cup in a long time but is filled with talent. Again, this is these are two teams that are very similar in Iran and Morocco. Very defensive-oriented but they had the talent moving forward in terms of the final third. Morocco, they have players that are proven in Europe at some in some degrees. Guys like Yunus Belhanda, Basufa, uh, Ziyech. Benatia. Uh, Benatia in the back line. As a unit, Morocco are rock solid in defense. But the issue of Morocco in the defense is individually. Yeah. What I've seen from the friendlies early on, they love. They want to play Amrabat at right at the right back position, and he's been exposed quite frequently. And with Iran, it's sort of the same story. As a unit, Carlos Queiroz has implemented a very defensive oriented squad, but in, individually, the center back pairings aren't the greatest in terms of talent. But the, what the part of the squad that will win them games is the attacking force with two players that are being sought after in Europe and Sadar Azmoun. And Ali Reza Jahan Baksh. I love saying that name. It puts a smile on my face. And those two will be the key and most influential players if Iran wants to see any sort of success. And before I get carried away with talking about my Iranians, Arjun, what are your thoughts from a third-person view? I mean, reading just statistically about Iran, they only conceded two goals in 10 games in qualifying. So right away, they have strong defense, and that that's the biggest thing for me. And to cut you off there, you know, being an Iranian fan... The final game where they conceded the two goals against Syria, they had nothing to play for. They already won their group, but continue No, forward. exactly. No, perfect. Again, if you have defense, 
that's going to take you a long way. If you can't concede goals, if they're not going to lose big games or they're not going like, to let a lot of goals in, they always have a chance in the game. That's how I put it. That's why I love defensive teams because, again, I'm a Chelsea supporter, so maybe I'm used to it, but defensive teams always keeps you in the match. In terms of them maybe getting a second spot in the group, I, I can't see it happening because, again, I want to maybe focus on a little bit of Portugal like you're saying. Um, this Portugal team is an interesting one. It's a one where they didn't expect to win Euros. They were underdogs against France. And then when Ronaldo went out in the 25th minute, I don't think many people had them winning that game. But Portugal showed the resilience with the rest of their squad. They still have Pepe, Bruno Alves, Fonte, Soares, uh, Joao Montinho, who's going to be a big part of their team. He makes that uh, Portugal team kind of connect from defense to attack and kind of transitions them. Um, so for me... I have Spain coming first. I have Spain winning that first matchup, or maybe even... I, I see Spain maybe winning all of their games. Portugal beating Morocco and Iran. Sadly, I do have Iran coming last. I, I don't think they get a point. I just think Morocco have enough players that played against bigger players, like Benatia, um, Belanda. They played against you know bigger teams that they have the experience, the knowledge, and... Again, the stage is just maybe a little bit too big for Iran. I know it's back-to-back World Cups, and it's going to hurt you, but my predictions, I have Spain and Portugal first, too. See, there's being an optimist and there's being a pessimist. I could give you the politically correct answer and say it will be Spain and Portugal that get out of the group. And most and consensus would say that would be the, likelihood, the likely uh, pairing that gets through. But I don't like being politically correct. I don't like being a pessimist, and I'm going to speak with my heart over my head. I think Spain, I do agree with you, Spain do come for far too much talent, far too much depth, and too much experience. They will probably get first in that group. Will they get all nine points? Possibly, probably. But Portugal, Morocco, and Iran fighting for that second spot. Thankfully for my Iranians, they play Portugal in the final game of the group. So I like our odds, especially if they beat Morocco in that first game, which will be very telling. And with that being said, I have my Iranians finishing second in the group. I said it here. I'm probably not going to have a lot of supporters on that. But this is a squad with, a, for once, a lot of talent going forward. The front three with Mehdi Tarami, Ali Razajan Box, Sardar Azmu. That's enough talent to threaten any squad in this group. Morocco, as a unit, they're solid. Individually, I don't think they can get the job done. Portugal, I think they'll have a tough time breaking down the likes of Morocco and Iran. And I think the upset, the underdog story of this tournament so far, especially in Group B, Iran comes second, Portugal third, Morocco come last. Sorry, Moroccans. Sorry, Portuguese. My Iranians get through. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Again, you're an Arsenal fan, Mm -hmm. so you tend to be over-optimistic. Same when Emery got appointed. So I'm not surprised with you putting Iran second. But it's not going to happen. All right. Um, without further ado, let's go on. Group C. So Group C takes a step back. They still have powerhouse in France. Um, with the other three teams, we have Australia, Peru, and Denmark. So I don't think there's any argument here. France take top spot. I think the talent level is so deep with this France team. I said the same about Spain. But this team, we saw the people they cut, the likes of Martial. Uh, the likes of Lacazette, their B squad is probably good enough to make a quarterfinal run in this tournament. That's how deep they are. They're just well-balanced in every sector of the field. And I think you want to get something to say right now. Well, okay. We already know that they're going to be on top of the group. That's what you already agree on. 
Now the big question for me is further on. Can they go all the way? Or how far do you see this team going? I think what we saw in the Euros was it was a team that was ready to take that step for glory. They beat the world champions, Germany, and they looked very impressive in that run. Now, the World Cup's a different animal. You face mm. the South Americans. You face all these squads from all around the world. And the thing about this France team, I want to love them, but there are so many different personalities in this squad. I don't like to pin that on the players, but Pogba has had such an up-and-down season. He's such a polarizing player, and he faces so much stick and so much pressure from pundits and all. Will that get to his head when he doesn't have the likes of Mourinho hovering above him? I don't know. Um, I'm leaning towards he doesn't have the greatest of World Cups. And I don't know. I don't even know. You have all that talent. What's your strongest 11? I don't know, Arjun. I can't agree with you anymore. Um, with that, again, France, talented squad, like you said, but they've yet to deliver anything, honestly. Again, they went to the Euro Finals, but they were at home. They should have dispatched of a Portugal team without Ronaldo. Couldn't get it done. That's where you talked about Pogba, and he's actually my player to watch this World Cup. He, for me, has to have the biggest World Cup in terms of he's going to be the guy that's kind of supposed to gel this team together. Right, he's gonna have Conte in the midfield, so there's no excuse of having to play too far back and defend. Um, again, their group is not too strong right now, so I want to see him be the Paul Pogba that was in Juventus that got all the hype, that got all the money and the transfer fees. I want to see that Pogba lead the team. Right, you can say when that when he was in Man U, he's kind of been a, a little bit of a disappointment so far, just because there's been excuses of all oh, him not cooperating with Mourinho. Mourinho's system doesn't allow Pogba to be Pogba. But now that he's in the World Cup, I want to see the desire, and I want to see him push. I want to see him say, okay, I'm going to take this France team, and I'm going to be the leader of this team. Can he do that? Because for me, you got Griezmann for sure. Um, the thing for me is Griezmann might be starting striker, because they only have Giroud up top, and he's going through some injury difficulties. You have Mbappe, you have Dembele, some great skilled players, but... Who's going to give them the ball? Who's going to give them the chances? Who's going to be that guy saying, okay, I'm going to be the leader of this team and I'm going to make every one of you guys the best player possible, right? He's going to be, who's going to be the LeBron James of the team? Who's going to be the leader of that team? That has to be Paul Pogba for me. The issue I do have with France though is defensively, they have Varane and Imitidi, good center backs for sure. Not as strong as Ramos and Pique in my opinion. I feel like Varane and Imitidi can make the mistake at times. Varane... Uh, did have that goal he conceded, I won't forget, in the World Cup in 2014 where Hummels just towered over him. So I, I do think that they can concede a goal or two. That's my issue. They might lapse. Conte is amazing, but hopefully they don't have him doing too much. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if they even draw a match in their group, to be honest. I can't see them winning it, but they're going to get this group top spot for sure. Uh, so the big question right now is who's going to get second spot. And, and I feel like it's going to be a consistent question while we talk about all these groups. Who's going to get the second exactly. spot? With such being in such a top-heavy tournament with a lot of the big dogs performing, as we've seen the friendlies and the qualifiers. Well, I think also there's been a lot of teams that didn't make it that mm-hmm. could have made this a lot more maybe easier to predict. The likes of Chile, um, obviously the squads aren't as great, but just the namesake Netherlands. You said Italy, Chile, uh, even the United States. A lot of these squads that we enjoy seeing in the World Cup, they won't be there. Yeah, it's always nice to see fresh teams. I know a lot of people want to see those big teams, but again, there's new teams that are here for the first time that are great. 
But again, it's hard because a lot of teams that didn't make it, they easily could have made it to the knockout stages. Like I probably would have predicted Netherlands, Italy, uh, United States, and even Chile probably going on to the next round. But this is what makes this World Cup, I think, really interesting. I know we're kind of going sidetracked, but for me, there's no real favorite. When I had in 2010, Spain were coming as Euro champs. I liked them going in. They had a strong squad. Uh, possession football was at its prime. Uh, when Germany was there in 2014, they haven't won it, but they were getting close every single time. So this German team were favorites. This year, the odds maker favorites is Germany. But for me, repeating is going to be extremely difficult. So there's no real favorite in this World Cup, I think. You can pick any team. France have issues like we just mentioned. They haven't got it done. Belgium, great squad, uh, but not experienced. So this is what makes it really interesting. Um, getting back to this group, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, let's just bring it back before we get sidetracked. we got a lot of time to speak about the other teams. But lying in this group is maybe what some people have issues with in the FIFA World Rankings. We see two teams that people might like in Denmark and Peru, who, but they're ranked. 10 or 11 and 12 respectively peru being 11 denmark being ranked 12 we just mentioned the likes of the united states chile who arguably could have made it to the knockout rounds yet these two teams ranked fairly high controversially because of how these rankings work and not to mention we have australia in this group how you know the styles everything how do you see the likes of denmark and peru and especially australia who've been an experienced side who've been to the world cup many times how do you see these teams fighting it out I have Denmark coming second. Mm-hmm. Just put it clear. Um, and one reason, one player, Christian Eriksen. That guy, honestly, I can't praise him enough. I, I, I do not, I'm not a Spurs fan. Again, like I said, I'm a Chelsea fan. You're an Arsenal fan. We probably don't, both don't like the Spurs. But Christian Eriksen, I respect. He is definitely the best player for me on the Spurs. Kane gets all the hype because he's English. And, you know, English media get all over him. But Eriksen really is the guy that clicks. He's so fluid. He's the guy that, like you said, he's the guy that Isco has to be. He has to connect. He has to be that guy that takes the leadership. I think Eriksson can get that done with the players that he has. Um, they do still have Kasper Schmeichel. That's a good keeper. He's won a Premier League title. I like him. Uh, Christensen, that's plays on Chelsea, the defender. So he, they have some good guys as well. Um, another thing, again, back on defense, they haven't conceded a goal in the last four friendlies. I, I, I see them dueling out with Peru, but... Eventually, they'll come second, Peru third, and Australia fourth. What about you? What do you like about... Well, Denmark, Eriksson, quality player. I'm not going to go into him like you did. I don't have a love fest for him. But I would love to see Peru get forward in this group. This is is a nation that hasn't been in the World Cup for a long, long time. I I don't have the, the stat here with me, but it's been a while. And just the sheer joy I saw in their in their playoff qualifier where they got through, I think it being New Zealand, the fans were so up for it. This is a side, I think, similar to how Colombia was in the last World Cup, I think we're going to fall in love with this Peruvian side. They play a lovely attacking style of football. They have players, a lot of flair, a lot of quickness to them. Sort of like a Mexico too, but they, wanna, they are looking to score goals. They're not looking to sit back and relax or stay uh, parking the bus. This is a team that's looking to slit your throat. So I don't want to. I can't go too into it, but they'll have their talisman. I think Paulo Guerrero is his name. A lot of controversy in terms of his allegations with the, with doping or whatever it might be. But he is back, and he might have a chip on his shoulder. This Peruvian side might have a chip on their shoulder. 
There's a fluidity. There's a love fest that I'm going to develop for this squad. I just know it. And I got them finishing second. As wow. for Denmark, I, as great as Derek Eriksson is, I just don't see the, the dynamism in terms of their squad, in terms of attacking, especially without the king, Lord Nicholas Bender. He's not going to be at this World <laughs> Cup. So where are they going to get their goals from? I, we know Eriksson will provide it, but where will they come from? I just don't see... I just don't see the flair with them. And Australia, they're always a good side to see at the World Cup. What more can you say? The man, the myth, the legend, Tim Cahill, that another World Cup, he'll probably score another banger for all we know, or probably another header. He's known for all this stuff. He's becoming a folklore in Australian football and, and, and probably world football at this point. And uh, it, it'll be a surprise to see Australia win a game, but... I wouldn't be against it. Uh, they were the last team to qualify for this World Cup. So they had to go in the playoff game, and that's how they got in. Their coach quit right after they won that game as well. So, again, Australia is a team that's always in it, but they're never going to do any damage. I mean, Tim Cahill, like you said, is old. They have Yednak, good player, but they're not going to do anything surprising. What you said about Peru, pretty interesting. I, th- I think they could come second. It's going to be a tough one like we've been talking about. But, again, I think that's just... Big enough for them to wake it back to the World Cup that, again, when they get into it, I'm not sure they're going to have as much fight and and Denmark's defense might be too too tough to break down. That if Peru don't score, I can just see Denmark making nicking one goal and maybe winning that game one nothing or something. Final say on the group. You have, let's say, we both have France to finish top. Second, you have Denmark, right? Yeah. And how does it finish for you? Uh, Peru and Australia. Australia comes last. And I'll probably do the opposite. I have France topping it. Peru coming second. And then Australia last with Denmark coming third. On to Group D, though. This is probably the most interesting group in terms of styles, contrast of styles and such. We have Argentina, probably one of the more discussed upon teams going to this World Cup, with the likes of Iceland, Nigeria, and Croatia. If this doesn't tell you how the World Cup's going to be, if this doesn't speak in terms of volumes of what you're going to see in all the groups, then I don't know what will. Because there's just style contrast upon style contrast, and every game is going to exemplify it. What do you think about what I just said? Oh, I, I can't agree more. Right, You got an African team that's going to be physically dominant in Nigeria. You got Iceland that's you know, fan support. They're the smallest country ever in the World Cup. But we've seen them perform in the Euros and even the qualifiers. Croatia have a great midfield. They're a great European team. And even Argentina have the craziest attack probably in the World Cup. They always have one of the craziest attacks along with Brazil, I'd say. But yeah, it makes it for an interesting group. Um, Argentina is probably the biggest favorites of that group for sure. They went to, again, they lost in the finals to Germany. They have star players. For me, the issue is how can their defense and midfield hold up? You got Messi in attack. You got... Di Maria, Dybala, Higuain, Aguero, for sure. right? And I know you have some defensive players in Oramendi, Mascarano. You have Benega and Biglia in midfield. That's that's a good squad, don't get me wrong. But can the defense in the midfield hold off enough to get their attack their goals? And does the team have to rely on Messi? That's my issue. Is Last World Cup, they had these star power players, for sure. But it seemed that Messi was the one that had to create everything. They didn't have the attacking midfield guy to kind of set up these strikers. Um, and again, they lost a 6-1 to Spain not too long ago in one of their friendlies, which is kind of a worrying sign as well. Um, 
one other issue I have is is who's their keeper. Right now they have uh, Caballero from Chelsea, was the backup keeper there, and he's their starting keeper. Not a bad guy, but like you said before, right? He's not going to win you games. He's not going to do anything special. I can see him making a couple mistakes, and a couple mistakes in the World Cup are massive. So Argentina, they're going to come first. No doubt in my mind they're coming first in this group. Really? No doubt? No I, don't, doubt. I don't know about no doubt. I, I see them just having too much attack. Okay. Going further, I, I do have issues. I don't think they go as further as they did in 2014. I don't think they win it or go to the finals. But they come first. Um, but yeah, you, you don't think they're coming first? What, what's no, no, no. I do, I do agree that they come first. But I don't think it's a no-doubter or a guarantee. Because this is a pretty deep group. And a team like, let's say, Iceland that just sit, sits back and just relaxes. We saw Argentina in 2014 against my Iranians. I love bringing them up. It brings so much joy. They struggled with, against Iran. You know, it took to the 91st or 92nd minute for Messi to unlock the Iranian defense with a wonder goal. Can they do the same this year? Can we? They rely, like you said, can they rely on Messi to bail them out in every game? And this is an Iceland team, you know, very pragmatic, probably more talented in terms of as a unit than that Iranian team was. And not to mention, this is a deep group. We said Croatia, proven. They are. They are. An, frequent competitor in this world in these world cups in these tournaments and nigeria i don't know what nigeria i don't know what voodoo we put on nigeria <laughs> but it seems like at every world cup they seem to get argentina in every group 2010 we saw it 2014 we saw it probably another time earlier on there we saw it too and when you face a team that many times in such a stretch you must know their tendencies at some point no, I I'm not sure about Nigeria, man. I, that squad seems like they're always in kind of internal issues with coaches, uh, flights, or whatever is going on. Um, they do have talented and they're physically talented. And don't get me wrong. I think one of the, I always think the African teams, you're always gonna get one surprise team from them because they can perform. They're very skilled players. It's just a matter of chemistry. Like how well can they work together for three games in the group? Can they work together every single game for ninety minutes? And I'm not sure if, if, if Nigeria can do that. They have quality players that can get it done. Don't get me wrong. But they're not going anywhere. No, I don't I'll, have them coming I'll, second. I'll, I'll, I have them coming last in this group. To really? be honest. I'll, I'll hold off till the end. I'll just read you some of their forwards. And yeah. we we mentioned the deficiencies of Argentina. Let me just read you the forwards that Nigeria have. The likes of Ahmed Musa from Leicester. Uh, Kalechi Anacho, also from Leicester, formerly of Man City. Victor, Moore, Victor Moses from Chelsea. Odia Nialu. Iallo, formerly of Watford, big, intimidating striker. Alex Iwobi from my Gunners, talented midfielder, talented winger. And in the midfield, you have John Obi Mikel, Wilfred and Didi from Leicester. This is a lot of players that have played at the highest level. Oh, okay, so so okay, they might get a goal or two. They can maybe score against Argentina. Who who they got in defense? See, that's not something we're going to talk about. But regardless, <laughs> they have talent now. We talk about we talked about Iceland. We've talked about Nigeria, Croatia, a team everyone loves to discuss as an underdog, a dark horse. We love to flirt with them because they have such you know appealing players as likes of Rakitic, Perisic, Modric, who might be the arguably the best or most complete centerman in the world. Yeah. But they just seem to come far shorter than they should at every tournament. And I don't know about if you had them coming through. I do not have them coming through out of this group wow. as a second place team. If I'll just you know I'll do the predictions real early. I actually have Argentina first, Iceland coming second, 
Croatia third, Nigeria fourth. The thing about this Croatia team that just always bugs me and just it hurts me to say this because I do like some of the players on the team. As a unit, as a team, similar to Arsenal, they just underwhelm and they disappoint you every time. And then right when you think you believe in them, as we saw in the 2016 years where they beat Spain, they had an opportunity to beat Portugal in the round of 16, they came up short. And this is a squad that's been the same for a while now, and I think the same occurs this time. They will not get through, and they'll disappoint and break Croatian hearts again. No, okay, they're not going to go far. That's what you're, I understand what you're saying. They're not going to go far. In my opinion, they're not going to get through the round of 16 or whatever, but they're coming second in this group for me. They still got the quality midfielders that are going to control the game. Modric, Rakitic, Perisic is a very good striker or attacker as well for them. Um, For me, seeing Iceland second, that's my issue. Like, this team has done it. They've done it in the Euros. They came in the quarters. They lost to England. Back to back major terms where they finished first in their qualifiers. Like, this is a team disciplined. They know what's at stake, and they are just willing to grind out. If it means playing boring football, they'll do it. Even though I'm opposed to it, I've seen it work. My they issue? did it to England. They did it in the Euros. They, pro- I th- I'm anticipating they'll do it again. My issue is when they did it against England, it was to the point where England scored that late goal. It was, but then they kind of broke down. Like it, it's or the early goal. You mean? Or early, sorry, my right. opinion or my mistake. The early goal for me is like if Iceland let an an early goal or something like that happen. They're so defensive. They're so, I like defensive teams, don't get me wrong. But if they kind of get out of it to an Argentina or a Croatia or something like that, can they get the goal back late in the game? Can they put the will in the fight? They're a team that plays with a lot of spirit, don't get me wrong. But I, I just think the talent in that group is going to be no match for them. I do have them finishing third. I can see them being like Nigeria. But I can't I can't see them being Croatia and Argentina. Um, I, I think it's another optimistic pick by you. And maybe, maybe, maybe a little silly one to be honest, but I think again, maybe that's a tough one. This is one of the tougher groups for sure. Well, better to be an optimist than a pessimist, and we've seen more worse surprises. We've seen better surprises at World Cups and at major tournaments. Now, getting on to Group E, we got Brazil. One of the more again, one of the more talked about these South American sides. We love to talk about them, Brazil. Accompanied by Costa Rica, the surprise of the last World Cup, Switzerland, and Serbia. Now, Neymar. I didn't even mention Brazil. I said Neymar. (laughs) This is the guy who many are pegging to be the heir apparent to Lionel Messi. This might be Messi's last tournament at a high, high standard. Or will Neymar and Brazil, will they do it? Will this be the time that Brazil erase the demons of 2014 and get it done? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Again, this is a team that I think can go far, for sure. But going off maybe into the later rounds where they have to pay big team after big team, I still have that 7-1 Germany in my head. I still do. right? And I still have that team, like you said, you called it Neymar, not Brazil. Brazil can't play like that. They can't depend on Neymar. This year, I think they're well suited or better suited not to do that. With they have Coutinho, I, they have Willian, which I absolutely love. Firmino, they got a good attacking players that maybe they can do a bit more work and, and get the pressure off of Neymar. But if they solely depend on Neymar, that team it, it, they're going to face a world of hurt. Honestly, uh, just because if an injury or Neymar doesn't play well, that team's going to crumble. For me, I just feel like that team. 
they play with so much flair and they play with so much attacking mindset that if they team play a team that's well structured again like they did in Germany um if they don't get the goal right away or they don't find the goal they're kind of like a Liverpool to me that's how I kind of see Brazil they have so much flair they're fun to watch they're that exciting team with attacking players but if they're not going to get those goals right away that team breaks down again despite saying all of that they're going to come first in this group I don't think there's enough competition. I think maybe Switzerland can get a draw against them. Uh, but I see them being Costa Rica and Serbia. For me, the issue for Brazil is the big matches. I think they have a bigger problem even than France in those matches. Um, and I can't see... If they depend on Neymar like they did last time, it's not going to go well. I think the, the interesting thing about Brazil, I think it's going to be the thing we see in the first game, arguably the first couple or few games in the group stages is how will they line up i think we have an idea of how the front three will line up i think we have an idea of how the back four will line up i think miranda and marquinhos that seem to be the consensus center back pairing right Thiago back silva uh, i think tiago i don't know if he has the legs anymore yeah. we, we've seen he's dropped a level obviously the big issue i think for many for for brazil was the omission of danny alves yeah. at right back who's going to be play it? it seems like the consensus is going to be either danilo from Man City, or is it going to be uh, the unknown in Fagner? If, uh, Fagner, I don't know how you say that name, but it's a question mark for Brazil. And then, most importantly, is how will you get the midfield right in the in the midfield three? We saw against Germany. Obviously, I hate bringing this up because it's four years ago, completely different side. Yeah. But we saw how an unbalanced midfield three is your downfall in what was it, the semifinals? So. They have the likes of a Casemiro. I think he's got to be on this team sheet every game. So you think Casemiro has to start above Fernandinho? I think you need that player. What we've seen in recent memory, especially with Real Madrid winning the Champions League, was it three years now in a row on the run? Casemiro is so influential, not in terms of going forward, but to be that rock in the midfield. You need that guy that just sits in front of the back four, disrupts play, pick up, picks out a pass every now and then, but... His main priority is to disrupt the play. I think if he's in that squad, that's a step in the right direction for Brazil. It's going to be those other two. And yeah. who do you put along with them? Do you bring Coutinho in the midfield? Mm. Do you bring William in the midfield? Uh, I think I think the box-to-box, there's a pick them. you got Fernandinho, Paulinho, and Renato Augusto. Um, Renato Augusto, I think he seems to be the guy who may be able to be the guy that can pick out a pass who's the more attacking minded player I think if Brazil want to get forward in this tournament you gotta play Casemiro with Renato Augusto and in terms of that final midfielder I think it's gotta be because we know Neymar is gonna be starting on the left side mm-hmm. Firmino's there mm-hmm. my question is who's the other attacker mm-hmm. you have the likes of Doug- Douglas Costa and wow. you have because they've been interchanging Willian and Coutinho they don't play both of them at the same time, which I've kind of realized, and I don't think they should. But right now, William or Coutinho? William or Coutinho? On the we, Brazil team. Yeah, we know we know Coutinho, we all know Coutinho is the better player. Yeah, okay. But in that. terms of position, on that right flank, you cannot put Coutinho there. I think it's it's asking for too much. It's going to disrupt too much rhythm. Um. But then again, we're not the managers. We don't know what they're going to do. We just have to wait for the first game of the group. And you say you got Switzerland coming second. I see. I could see Switzerland taking a game off of, uh, or like a draw off of Brazil. But I, again, I do have them coming second. 
Serbia, I have third and Costa Rica fourth. Serbia, for me, they have the defense that can maybe get it done. I, I just don't think they're going to come second. Costa Rica, like you said, they, they have a lot of flair once again. But this is a different team now. Um, and Switzerland, people don't really look at Switzerland. They're ranked pretty high, uh, one of the top teams. And, and they have a good unit. They have a good starting eleven that have good chemistry with each other and good experience. So I have them coming second, Serbia third, and Costa Rica fourth. Yeah, that's, again, we agreed on the first group. And ever since then, we haven't agreed since, <laughs> I think. I got Serbia coming second in this group. This wow. Again, I, I just do not... Switzerland's one of those teams, people want to love fall in love with them. I just can't. And I don't, it's hard to fall in love with them because they, they constantly disappoint as well. Serbia on the other end, they're one of those they're one of those low-key sexy teams to fall in love with. You know, I see their squad, and the one name that sticks out, and I think it sticks out in world football at this moment, is I hope I pronounced this right, Sergei Milinkovic Savic. I hope I said that right. Lazio? From Lazio. And it just seems like everybody in Europe seems to be wanting this player. I haven't seen much of him apart from, you know. YouTube highlights, but the consensus among the coverage that he's getting is he is arguably one of the most complete midfielders in world football. Man United seem to be the most likely destination for him. I'll leave transfer talk for another time, but he's got all the makings to be a man of this tournament, and for Serbia to move forward, not only in this group, but potentially upset a team in the round of 16, he will be the talisman to get the job done. And not to mention, you have proven players like Nemanja Matic, who's been there, Dusan Tadic from Southampton, uh, Philip Kostic from Hamburg, who's proven Mitrovic from Newcastle now, but he, he's he's a handful of uh, experience on him as well. Exactly. And the thing about Mitrovic, obviously, is so much potential on him, and he's always a he's always a risk for a red card at any point. He's that bully on the pitch, similar to Diego Costa. He will upset and he will ruffle some feathers in the back line of any squad and I like the I like the different levels in terms of personalities and egos on this team. I think they get the job done and they finish second in the group. I don't disagree with you. I think they can be the upset team for sure, but I just have Switzerland being that perfect matchup against them. I don't think uh, Serbia can bully Switzerland as much as you think. Like they have powerful guys like you said, but Switzerland have a good team. They have um uh, they have Shakiri, who's going to be probably their attacking uh, kind of guy that's going to link them all up. Again, he's on Stoke City, and he seems to do all the attacking work there. They have Dismali, who's another good one. They have Granit Shaka, one of your favorite players. Uh, so they have good guys and a good enough midfield. Bayrami's there as well. I just think this, uh, this uh, Switzerland team just has enough experience and enough caps together as a unit that Serbia, they've just been a, bit, a little bit of a disappointment lately, in my opinion. They haven't gone too far. They have the quality players, but they're not going to be able to bully a Switzerland team. Listeners, for anyone who's listening right now, obviously, I hope you're still listening, sway your decision on who you think is coming second in this group. Just take a moment to go on YouTube, go on any website used for footy highlights, and go Google or search the Serbia goal, the Branislav Ivanovic goal against Bolivia, and just see... The amount of touches and just just the highlight reel it is. I'm telling you, it's something that you won't see very often, and that should be the reason you take Serbia. Agree with me over Argent as to why they'll be second. 
a quick shout out for Costa Rica. Um, obviously, we'll just fill in, fill in the viewers. They can't. They were the surprise of the last World Cup. They finished top of their group last time with the likes of Uruguay, Italy, and England beating the likes of Uruguay and Italy. They even made it to the quarterfinals, and it took Netherlands to the to the penalty shootout. And to be honest, we could be wrong. Costa Rica proved everyone wrong last time. Joel Campbell, former uh, at this point, I think he's a former Arsenal man who hasn't played with us for a while. Crazy talented player, and many of the same players are still in this squad from that squad. They're a perennial Concacaf representative in this World Cup, but you know, I think you'll agree with me on this. Being not probably a naysayer, we both agree that Costa Rica is probably coming last in this group. I, I think they had. They, I have them coming last as well, but I don't think they come last definitely. I, I can see them bumping up again. They have Kaylor Navas as a keeper. They have Brian Ruiz, who was over a hundred caps with Costa Rica, and he's a great striker. I think he's one of the most technically gifted players out there as well. So this team definitely has players. I think they could easily push and they'll get points. I don't see them losing all three games. That's not what I have said, but. In terms of what you've just been saying with Serbia and, and Switzerland, I feel like it might just be goal differential that gets it done. And that's where Switzerland might win it. But for me, I have uh, I have Switzerland coming second, Serbia coming third, and then Costa Rica fourth. And of course, like we said before, Brazil coming first. Now, well, like we said, this World Cup is about the big dogs. Yeah. And it doesn't get much bigger than... The team that we're about to discuss in the next group. And that is the Germans. Deutschland. Arguably the favorite. Not by many miles, but they are probably the favorite in many eyes. And I don't think you can disagree or agree, but more so disagree with the consensus that this is a deep German squad. And it's only fueled by the omission of one player that seems to be causing an uproar. (laughs) And... I'll let you take that away. Okay, yeah. So they've won it in 2014. The one player that you're talking about, hopefully you're on the same page, is uh, Leroy Sané. So he's been a star. He was one of the breakout players for me in the Premier League. And for every of the viewers, he was amazing. I, I Again, I don't see how he got dropped. My issue is just Joachim Lau is just going with the players that have done it four years ago. So that's why he included Royce and all of those guys. I even think Leroy Sané could have replaced... Royce. Like Royce should have been there for sure, but if Royce is going to be there, Leroy Sané needs to be there for me ahead of him for sure. But I, th- I think what we what I noticed from the German squad and what I noticed, this is me analyzing Joachim Lau's decision-making. I think, I don't know if it's about the guys he picked from the last World Cup, but I think he went with guys that he's familiar with and the guys that are best suited for his system. What we saw from Leroy Sané at Man City was somebody that n- never drifted in the, uh, the central midfield. He stuck to the left flank like it was his baby, like it yeah. was his child, and wasn't asked him anymore. You well, could say that Silva and De Bruyne are the ones that kind of got in the ball and got in the chase mm-hmm. chances. Same with Sterling, right? They they kind of made him a better player. I, I understand that part. And, and the thing about Jeremy, what Joachim Lau loves to do, he wants his midfielders to be drifting around in the central midfield. And what we saw in some of the, the friendlies and some of the opportunities we're signing was he had difficulty trying to get involved going through the midfield, getting through the central midfield. And the guy who arguably replaced him, Julian Brandt from Leverkusen, not only he not only was he maybe more comfortable doing that, but I, I may I may be mistaken, he was at the last Confederation Cup with Germany. Leroy Sané missed the Confederation Cup. I don't know if that plays a position. That plays a that plays a factor. But like I said, these are players that Joachim Lau is familiar with. That's why Royce is on the squad. Injury real, but 
He's still on the squad. Now, we know what Germany is. If you want me to read the names, I got the names here for you. Uh, got likes of Leon Goretzka, Mesut Ozil, Tony Cruz, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm going to interrupt I, you there. Yeah, yeah. I have one question for you about Germany. There's all this hype. We're talking them up a lot. Again, this is the odds maker's favorite to repeat. But as you mentioned, this is still a young team. But you said Lokin Lau is going with the players that he knows. Lokin Lau is going with the players that have been there. Uh, in 2014, and has he seen play and been on the national team before? I'm going to put this question on you. What happened to Spain in 2014 after they won the World Cup in 2010? Why did they not make it? Can you say? Can you argue it's the same thing? They didn't. Vincent Del Bosque said, "Oh, I'm going to go with the same squad. I'm not going to make any major changes. I'm going to keep the same pairing, same everything, and say, oh, well, won me it in 2010 is going to win it in 2014.' Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a good point you brought up. And I hate to bring up generalities. I hate to mention these off the pitch stuff, but that's a Spain team. They were off the. They came off the back of a of a Euro in 08, a World Cup in 2010, a Euro in 2012. Now I don't want to say you're not ambitious for another World Cup, but how many? Like you've won one. Maybe the desire wasn't there. The the, the urgency wasn't there for some of those Spanish players. And it seemed that way when we saw them play in the in that World Cup. The thing about this German squad, yes, they the likes of Mesut Ozil, the likes of Tony Cruz, Mark Royce, they've been there for since Ozil's been there since like 08, 2010, Cruz since 2012. This is a squad that's been well and closely knitted, but the thing is they have more to prove. They have only won one World Cup, no Euros, not another World Cup. They st- if they want to be setting a benchmark for German football moving forward, they have to at least get to the semis of this World Cup. I think they can get to the semis. I don't have them repeating them. That's what I'm getting at. I just don't think they have... This is why I like adding a couple fresh faces, like Ali Sané, who wasn't there on the 2014 team. Um, you add fresh blood, right? It gives you more motivation. You have Tony Cruz. He's coming off winning three Champions League in a row. They've already won the World Cup. I just don't know how much intensity they're going to have, how much fight they're going to have. This German team is going to make it far just based off skill. For sure, and just be so being deep and having amazing players that play all across the world, for sure. But I don't think they get the extra push just because repeating World Cup is really difficult. So I don't have Germany going to the finals or even winning it or even getting that close. I think the farthest they get to, like you said, is the semis. Once again, though, it's it seems like the top of each group, it's kind of obvious. It seems like we're on the same page there. This team's going to finish on the top of their group, hands down. I can't see any surprises happening there, not like Spain in 2014. But what makes it interesting, once again, is the other teams. Yeah, so this team rounds up with Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. Now, by some, I don't know, I feel like there's a there's a pretty well-agreed-upon consensus that Mexico comes second in the group. Me, personally, I have Mexico coming second in the group as well. I think they have... The talent, they have the flair. They have, I won't say the, the talent. I would say they have more talent and more flair than the, the aforementioned two teams. And I think this is a squad that, representing CONCACAF, probably the best team from CONCACAF, they have competed on this level against the, the better squads. They, they competed with Brazil at the last World Cup. They competed with an, a tough Netherlands side. This is a squad that could ruffle some feathers. feathers and it starts no further than the man that's been there for the longest minute, the longest years, and that is Chicharito, Javier Hernandez. I love saying that, especially with an accent. Mm. And not to mention, as if this guy is still on the squad, 
if you don't know him, you don't watch footy. Rafa Marquez is still playing footy. I don't know how old he is. I'm going to search that up right now because I don't know how this guy, he was at the World Cup in 06. He's 39 years of age. Still, I don't know if he's the captain, but this guy, similar to Tim Cahill, he's just setting a bar for these veterans that are continuing to play at such a high level and representing World Cup nations. No, I agree with you. Mexico regulars at the World Cup, they're always there. right? They always qualify and they actually always compete. They were great in Brazil. Like watching them, this team has a style, and they're true to their style. They're always at that flair. Players that they have, they have you know good defense, of course, but they always can score against any team. That's how I feel about Mexico. It's if their players, their front guys are clicking, they're going to score against any team. Um, in terms of going far, I don't, I don't see them passing the quarterfinals. If that's probably the bench, uh, that's the kind of the ceiling for them. But I see them coming second in this group, hands down. Um, like you said, Javier Hernandez. Terrific player. This guy knows how to score, right? He might not have uh, the, uh, the necessary dribbling or creation, but if you want him to score goals and you need a striker to score goals, Harry Hernandez is perfect for that. Um, and once again, they were terrific qualifiers as well. They got in with three games to spare. So Mexico, I have coming second. Uh, and like you mentioned, Sweden. Sweden is another interesting team that they've shown what they can do without Zlatan. And arguably, they're a better team without Zlatan. They work more as a unit and more as a 11 players rather than kind of depending on Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Zlatan knowing he's the best player in that team. So he's the one saying, oh, give me the ball, deliver me the ball. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. So this Sweden team, if they can kind of be unique and work together, I can see them maybe pulling an upset, but I, the furthest for them is third place. And then uh, fourth place we have, uh, as you mentioned, South Korea. Yeah, and um, before you, uh, you listeners all, all agree with us that we have Mexico coming second, just keep in mind that sometimes these games, they're not won by the better team, but they're won by the team with the better player. And the thing about Mexico, in contrast to South Korea and Sweden, they will not have the best player on the pitch, at least in my opinion. South Korea, I don't know many of their players, but I do know one, and his name is Sun Hung Min from Tottenham, who's a player that constantly performs, and he'll work, and he's as talented as... Many guys who may not be world-class, but are on the cusp of world-class. And if South Korea want any chance to progress, or at least cause a stir, it's going to be on his shoulders. And potentially, for Sweden, obviously, this is a disclaimer. If they have Zlatan, this is a completely different conversation. And you still have one day before the World Cup to include him, but if they did, then... Do you think that team can go through with I think Zlatan's enough, just a one-player... Too old now. I, and again, I, I, they play better without him. They play better without Zlatan. Again, he's too... He, when you're the best player, you know you're the best player on that team, and you're older of age, right? You can you can do, you can can be lazy. You can be that guy that, oh, I'm the best player. And remember when they qualified it, he didn't call it Sweden, right? He called it uh, uh, Sweden or something. He called it in for Zlatan's name. Even he took credit for them qualifying. Or not credit, I should say, but... He was there trying to influence them, and, and people thought he would might come back into the team. So I, I just think that they play better with him. I think even if he decides to join us, Sweden should say, no, we've gotten to the stage without you. It's kind of like what Portugal did with Ronaldo in the finals. Like They won it without Ronaldo, you could say. He was he led them in the tournament for sure. They play, they play better with him, but they can still get the job done. And We have to look at the other players as well, and I think Sweden is a case where Maybe they're going to get it done, but Mexico just have the flair players like you've talked about. Javier Hernandez is going to be amazing in that team. 
and it's just going to be able to score against any defense. Yeah, I probably agree with you there. And uh, just a quick shout-out, um, Sweden do have some talented players. Emil Forsberg from RB Leipzig, who, again, he's like Son Hanman, on the cusp of world class, who's been performing for the past couple of years in a top league in the Bundesliga. And he has somebody like a Victor Kleisen, who's who's being more well-talked about in the world. And then, you know, you have some guys like Marcus Berg, old-time Used to be a young player on the lookout, and John Guidetti used to be at Man City. But that's it. In our that group, we finally agree again. Germany first, Mexico second, and then I think we both agree: Sweden third, South Korea last. Yep. I think that group is wraps on. We can agree upon that finally. In this group, we got Group G. This one, this one, especially in England, is going to be heavily talked about by the pundits. Like I said, we got England, we've got Belgium, and then we got Tunisia and Panama. Obviously, what we're, we're not going to be here talking about Tunisia and Panama. As great as it is to see these squads in the World Cup, especially Panama, we're going to be talking, and rightfully so, about the big dogs in this group. Arguably, I, let's just get the actually no. Firstly, let's just get the predictions out of the way. I think it might be different between both of us. I have England topping the group, and I got Belgium second. Um. Tunisia third and Panama last. I, I maybe you agree or I have England going actually pretty far. I feel like England can do get it done. In terms of this group though, I I have Belgium coming first. I have the way everybody has it predicted. Belgium first, England second. Um, and like you said, of course, Tunisia and Panama, they're clearly gonna be battling it out for third spot. Um, but yeah, the two powerhouses, for me it's just Belgium. Belgium have probably again, in terms of Starting 11, they have a starting 11 that is probably one of the best starting 11s in the World Cup. That's what I would put it as. Where you got Vincent Kompany, you got Toby Alderweireld, who's a great defender as well, Thibaut Courtois, one of the top keepers in the world. Uh, and then you have two guys that are going to be leading that attack. And I think you know what I'm going to talk about. Kevin De Bruyne, who's going to be trying to linking up with Eden Hazard. And these guys are going to be phenomenal. They are Again, I think these guys are the two top players in the Premier League for sure. And maybe not one and two, but they're definitely top five. I, yeah, two I, was, teams. I, you know, I opened my mouth there. I think you surprised me with the statement top two. You know, it's uh, I, I wasn't thinking about the Premier League at this moment. But I, it's hard to not agree that these two are some of the best players in the Prem, I think. Yeah, like and exactly. And, and you do have other good players. You have Romelu Lukaku. Right, who who's a Premier League striker? He's he has a style. He's a big force. If they cross it into him, he can get ahead to it as well. But like we see, he's not gonna he's not gonna create anything for you. You have to really be dependent. This team's gonna be really dependent on De Bruyne and Hazard. And what's really nice is is it's not that one has to do the work without the other. It's not like we have to watch as Hazard do what he does for Chelsea. It's not like we have to do kind of De Bruyne create all the chances. Um, these two working together is gonna be. A wrecking force. I, I don't think England can stop that in the group. Um, and, and going forward, my only issue with Belgium is experience in the World Cup. They have great players that play in the Premier League, have great experience in playing in top like tournaments in England and Champions League for sure, but World Cup's a different animal. And I think when this team maybe gets further down the road, do they have enough experience as Roberto Martinez have enough, enough experience to you know out-tactic another manager? So for me, I have Belgium coming first. In terms of England, oh, just before you get to England, you know, I, we, I think we both being avid 
English for you observers. Well, we got a lot to say about England, but just to talk about Belgium real quick, I'm the op- I'm the opposite about you. Like I said, I said Belgium will come second, and they are in that class of Croatia and Switzerland for me. Like I said, this is a team that will break your heart, and this is to a, an even further extent because of the talent that you just mentioned. The likes of these are world class talent. This is not just good players; these are great players. Alderweireld, great. Uh, Eden Hazard, great. De Bruyne, great. Um, who else do we have here? Uh, Moussa Dembele, almost great. You know, <laughs> as, as tough as it is to say. But the thing about this squad, and it, it just starts with the manager and yeah. himself. What, what the thing about Roberto Martinez is when the expectations are low or even meet or even moderate, that's when he thrives. So he will surprise you. He will take your squad to a place you've never been before. But as we saw with Everton in the Prem, as we've seen. Um, Obviously not with this Belgian team yet, but with prior Belgian teams, they will disappoint. And Roberto Martinez has it in him to disappoint again because his decision-making and his tactics, especially his in-game changes, they just don't translate into success. And I don't know if it will be further fueled by the omission of Nainggolan, who is a prominent player, one of the world-class holding mids in the world. But... This is something, again, similar to my Gunners in Arsenal. I, I don't know why I keep mentioning it, but it's a mentality thing with this Belgian squad. I saw it at the Euros against Wales where they just crumbled against a far, um, not superior, inferior squad. And and when it comes to whoever they play in the next round, and I think I'm going to cause quite a stir, I don't think they can even get past the round of 16. Wow. So wait. You have them coming second. Does that mean you feel like England's going to beat them or, or, or draw or which one? You think England's going to beat them or not? Personally, and you know we're just going to switch to England yeah, right now. The transition. I think England outright beats them. I think the thing about this England squad, and even though there are some players that maybe to some shouldn't be on the squad, you know the likes of maybe a Danny Welbeck, a Ruben Loftus Cheek, a Gary Cahill. This is a squad that Gareth Southgate, the manager, has grasped and realized what it is. He doesn't have the creativity in the midfield. He doesn't have the attacking-minded players in the midfield. But he's going to set that team up, and I'm expecting it's going to be a 3-5-2 because I think he realizes what his midfield is. You have Eric Dyer. You have Jordan Henderson. These guys will not change a game for you. I think everybody who knows football knows that. So by going with the 3-5-2... You're putting as much attacking-minded players as you can to push forward. And I think that's what this England team is all about this World Cup. The expectations that I'm getting, the vibe that I'm getting from this England squad is just get out of the group. Round of 16, I feel like, is going to be a success for them based on what we saw at the last World Cup, even what we saw at the Euros, the disappointment. And if they can put a good showing, it's not about the, the, the result. I think it's about the showing, especially because this is a young squad, even younger players behind them. And one thing, one player, I should say, not a thing, but one player that I believe will be the breakout player, and to some who may not think he's going to be a breakout player, but I think it's going to be Raheem Sterling. I think Mm -hmm. if this England's team, if they want to have any success now, moving forward, I think Raheem Sterling, the man who's been abused, absolutely abused by the English media for the most outrageous Things and most outrageous claims for him to put on a good showing and for him to get rid of this nonsense that he's overrated, overpriced. And I'm speaking more of my heart, to be fair, because I, I think 
I'm more of an Raheem Sterling fan now than I was probably a few weeks ago, just based on the stuff I saw in the media. If England has any sort of chances of being a prominent powerhouse, it's on Raheem Sterling. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. He needs to be big for them to do well. In terms of will he be big, I can't see it. And my issue is, like you're saying, if they're going to play that three-five-two, which they've been playing, they play with a lot of central players up top, right? So you're telling me that Raheem Sterling has to play behind the two strikers that they play with? I can't see that. I don't like Raheem Sterling in a central role. I like him in the wing. I like where he can dribble, kind of cut inside, maybe float around, but I don't want him being in the middle... Uh, where he has to face back against the goal, collect the ball, and then try to create for the two guys in front of him. I like when he's on the wing. And again, this is the same way where Man City played. And that's why I think, even though he was great with Man City, phenomenal, I think he started a little bit better than he ended. I think my thing with Raheem Sterling was that he's good when he gets the ball from in dangerous situations, where he can kind of dribble and and kind of force an issue from the wing side. I don't think he can be the creator of the team. I don't think he can be a De Bruyne or a Silva or one of those guys. So Jordan Henderson and Eric Dyer are going to be great for holding that play. I think Delhi uh, Alley will be a little bit bigger for them being in the central role. That's why I like him better. For me, Raheem Sterling, I like more on the wing. I still think the single team is going to do well just because they, they can probably nick a couple games. They have Harry Kane. Um, they still have a strong defense with a lot of experience. Kyle Walker is going to be a great player on the right back situation there. He's going to be running up and down the pitch. You still have uh, Gary Cahill. We have issues with John Stones and maybe Harry Maguire. But that team still has a lot of experience. I don't have enough to beat Belgium. I don't think they have enough to beat Belgium for sure. But for me, this team's going to the semis. I, I don't think it's Raheem still carrying them. I don't. I disagree with that. But I have them going to the semis. And. I- he won, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, no, I, I have him going in the semis, and it's it's pretty much how things match up with what how Group H is as well. But um, again, this English team they've disappointed for enough time, and you know you've been optimistic with Iran and Iceland. For me, it's England. I think I, I trust Southgate. I really do. I think that he can get the squad right, and if if again if this team can make sure that they defend properly first, right, not letting cheap goals. Not let anything stupid happen, right? They can they can probably push and maybe get games of one nothing or even get games that are scrappy and win an extra time in the knockout rounds or whatever or maybe even penalty shootouts. I think this team has a lot more flair, like you're saying with Deli Ali and Sterling that and Harry Kane that they're not going to choke. But that's what England teams have done in the past. They've gone to big situations, big games, close games, and choked. And I don't I don't think they're going to choke in my opinion. Now, we mentioned the big dogs in this group. Is there any way these little dogs, the likes of Tunisia or Panama, not obviously they have to play each other, but do they get even get a point out of England and Belgium? Either one of them? No. 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 Okay. Again, this is Panama's first ever qualification in the World Cup. That's an amazing feature, and I don't want it to end there for sure. I'm not going to say, oh, they're going to end in defeat. No, they're going to fight. They have, they have a good team. I just I can't see them going too far. Um, they did, uh, they did defeat Costa Rica in the final qualifier. So that's one big result. They, they can get the big result for sure. In terms of beating England or, or Belgium, I just don't see it happening unless England really choke. In terms of Tunisia, uh, they're making their first World Cup 
appearance since 12 years. So that's another one they were in last World Cup in 2006. So it's been a while for them. These two teams, for me, it, it's just, again, I, I hate saying it, but it, it almost feels like it, it's good enough for them to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they got the shorter end of the stick in terms of the group they, they were dealt. And, hey, if anyone's listening, they want to fill us in on Panama and Tunisia, obviously, because we're not avid watchers of these two squads. For sure. Obviously, what I see from Tunisia, they're the highest-ranked African squad. So that that I see these rankings could be tainted a little bit based on the obviously based on the ramifications of how they're provided or they're dealt. So, uh, but to be ranked 28th in the world, I think it's 28th or in those mid 20s, is quite an accomplishment for a side like Tunisia. I honestly think they could get a point out of either England or Belgium. I still see England, even if it's against England. I think England does beat Belgium, but. Tunisia have the makings to be that squad that we don't we just don't know anything about, but they could just be out there and they'll they'll steal a point somehow. We've uh, seen it with crazier teams, right? Potentially, to be honest, I think the reverse. It might get ugly in terms of if Belgium and England tie their game. These two teams can be kind of scapegoats in terms of goal differentials, where Belgium and England are, are going to want to pile up scores. It's not going to be easy future for sure, but it might get ugly if if the score lines two or three nothing. The other teams might try to pile it on on these teams. But it could, it, could, it could work the other way, where True. it's on England and Belgium, where the pressure starts to sit on the shoulders of England and, we and know Belgium. England and we've seen, I think, these two squads in the past few turn or the past couple of tournaments have been the teams that have crumbled the quickest when the expectations at their highest and the pressures at its highest. So it could, I, me personally, if it's a tie in that first game for both England and Belgium, or obviously for England and Belgium, when I say that, then. The door is open for whoever wins that Tunisia-Panama game. Or I, I think the games are... Actually, no, I don't think England-Belgium play for it. I think England-Belgium play in the final game. But what I mean is, whoever wins that Tunisia-Panama game in the end, however things pan out, could find themselves slipping in to the second into the round of 16. I don't see it happening. I'm just saying there's a distinct possibility. Yeah, man, is this an interesting World Cup. Mm-hmm. There's so many storylines, mm-hmm. right? There's big dogs for sure that we've talked about winning their groups, but... Even in this group where it's clear-cut or it might feel clear-cut, there's always a storyline. And that's the World Cup. But uh, we still got one last group to cover. Group H. And uh, Group H is, is is another one of those teams that maybe doesn't have a big dog on that team. To go in that group, you mean. Or in that, sorry, in that group. In, in some ways, this could be the group of death. However, how, whatever your definition of group of death is, if it's stockpile with big dogs or if it's, or if it's a group that's very balanced, and if that's how you look at it in terms of the ladder, then this is your group of death with the likes of Colombia, Japan, Senegal, and Poland. For sure, no, I, I actually agree with you there. I don't think there's actually like a big group of death. There's there's groups that have two stacked teams like Portugal, Spain, um, like we talked about Belgium, England. But like in terms of anybody can come first, second, third, fourth. This is probably that group, and yeah, I, I'd probably categorize that maybe as a group of death as well. So you're right. You have Poland, Senegal, Colombia, Japan. Why don't we just start with right away? Who do you think is going to come top and why? Now, the consensus. I love saying consensus because we don't have any research or stats to say consensus. This is based on my interpretation of what the consensus would be. I think many people would have either Poland or Colombia finishing top in that group. In my opinion, I think that's what the consensus is. But... And I say but because I am not a part of that consensus, Arjun. I believe, and this, again, this falls underneath my Iran and my love affair with Iran and who's the other thing? Iceland. 
even Peru to a certain extent. Uh-oh. But I think this group, I think it ends with the African squad finishing top of the group. I think the Senegalese, the, or I should say the Senegalese, yeah, I think that's how you say it. And I should say Senegal, <laughs> but yeah, Senegal finishes top of the group. And I think in a somewhat of a surprise to many, I think, I say I think many pundits wouldn't agree with me on that. Uh, I can't. I, I kind of like again. We were talking about how an African team. There's always one African team that's like seems to surprise us, and the World Cup and kind of makes a huge run for it. Senegal, like you said, they could do. This is a group that they could do it in. This could be the African team that could do it. But for me, I have I have Colombia coming first. Um, and for me, it's it. I think Hemis Rodriguez is going to have another good World Cup. He's not going to have the same World Cup he had in 2014. Nowhere near that for sure. But you got Hemis Rodriguez. You got Juan Cuadrado, Quintaro, Radamel Falcao is a great player. He's a captain there. Uh, Louis Muriel, Ospina is the keeper. You know him really well. This this team just has so many players that have done it. Davison Sanchez has played great for Tottenham. He might not start, but they just have so many quality players that. For me, they're the team that's going to finish top of the group. Uh, they're going to build off, you know, take that momentum they had from the 2014. I don't think they're going to go farther than the round of 16. But for this group, I think they're going to win it. Um, Senegal, for me, doesn't even come second. I have Poland come in second. So Robert Lewandowski's Poland. Uh, and in terms of third place, um, in terms of third place, that's where I have Senegal coming. And then Japan coming fourth. But like I said, I have Colombia, Poland. You can go with any team almost coming top two. But I don't see what reason were you saying Senegal comes first? I, I think with Senegal, I think they have the type of players. You think Mane carries them? I, I want to say carries. I don't think he needs to carry. Because he's got, in this squad, you have a rock in the back in Koulibaly. He's just arguably a top three center back, top three to five center back in the world. I won't say top three because there's so many names nowadays. Wow. But top five center back in the world. So many teams are looking after him. And then you have Idrissa Gay, I think that's how you say the name, from Everton, yep. who is just Conte-esque. He yep. can disrupt the play at any moment. He can he can set the tempo for any match. And then, like, like I said, Sadio Mane, who was, obviously with the arrival of Salah and what, based on Salah's performance, was he was overlooked this season, but he had arguably a better season this year for Liverpool than he did in his opening year. So I think this is the type of tournament where you don't need the best squad, but you just need those upper echelon players to get you over the line. You have Sadio Mane, you have Idrissa Gay, and you have Kaldu Koulibaly, and arguably a potential breakout player in Musa Kanate, who has all the make, I think, with a great World Cup, can really put his name in the transfer market and really get a big price after him. He is a player I saw, I don't remember what match it was, but he's been a fixture in this Senegal uh, in the Senegal side, and he has all the makings to really, really change the outlook of this squad moving forward, especially this group, and top this group. And I don't have an ending there. I think they beat Belgium in the following, That's wow. they, they play Belgium in the following game. And I think... They have the attacking threat. Like we saw with Wales, when you have just those attacking players that just keep pushing the pace of the match and going after that back line, especially a team that doesn't really have a system in Belgium, I think Senegal gets to the quarterfinals 
of the World Cup. They are my surprise team of this World Cup. And just to finish it off, I got Colombia coming second. I think they have the talent. I think they're the most talented squad in the group. I think it's fair to say. And then with Pol- with Poland, what we saw from Robert Lewandowski, who's still a world-class player, but what we've seen from him, especially in recent memory, is he's he tends to be a player when the, on the biggest stage, he just doesn't seem... He performs, but he just doesn't put in the goals. And Well, he plays on Poland. I want you to make. I'm game. talking about obviously with what Bayern support Munich. does he have? I mean, with Bayern Munich as well. Like we saw in the in the Champions League against Real Madrid, he had, you know, he had an abundance of chances, and he just doesn't seem to capitalize. And that's not something we saw at the last years. It took till the round of it took till the quarterfinals against Portugal from the bag his first goal, and I just don't think he's got the support around him, especially with this Polish squad, along with his inconsistencies for them to progress out. And that's why I got Senegal top finishing top of the group. Poland coming third, and then my fellow Asian counterparts in Japan coming last. Uh, I think I can see how Senegal have a good squad, like you said. Uh, Maramani, terrific player. I think people kind of forget, and, and they have to remember that when Mo Salah did go down in the Champions League, Samani uh, was the best player almost. Like Daniel Levin was amazing for them, but Mane was their attack. He was doing everything, and he was trying. So he's going to have to do that in the World Cup for Senegal, and, and he is a flair player. He plays on Liverpool, I think. He can be that guy. For me, I put Poland above just because you put Kalubali as what top five or top three defender in the world. Center back, yeah. Center back. I have Robin Lewandowski as top three striker in the world. Mm-hmm. I have even above Suarez now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Just because again, I know he plays on Bayern Munich. German league is not always competitive, and he always gets a lot of chances. But if he gets a half chance with Poland, his class he's just going to finish it. I, I can see that happening. Now, he's not going to create anything. He's not going to take the ball from midfield and dribble it past anybody and, and score any crazy goals like that. Or he's not going to go and score like a Gareth Bale goal like we saw in the Champions League. I don't, I don't see him scoring like that type of crazy plays. But if you give him any kind of half chance in terms of outside the box or any kind of header, he can do it all. He's the most complete striker I think there is in the league in terms of he's good in his feet, he's good in the air, He's good uh, passing-wise, can link up, uh, not afraid to go against any center back. So I think that as long as Poland, again, as long as Poland can hang in there, hang in late in games, while Robin Lewandowski might be invisible for most of the game just because they're not getting the ball to him, but if they can get that one or two chances against a Senegal team that I'm sure will have some holes for sure, he'll just finish that and, and Senegal might not have a response. So that's why I have still Colombia finishing first. Because of Hamis Rodriguez and all that talent that you got there, Adamo Falcao, the team just has experience and and a lot of flair. Poland second, Senegal third, and as you mentioned, we both have Japan coming fourth. And like I said, I got Senegal coming first, Colombia second, Poland third, and Japan fourth. That does it with our complete eight group outlook on how they will play it and. Tell us what you think, you know, let me know, let Arjun know, and you're probably going to disagree with us, I don't expect you to agree with us, but that does it for those eight Well, are we done yet? Are we done? We have one final thing to talk about before he leaves is the big question, the big preview question, who's going to win it? Like, who do you have winning this World Cup, Rand? Who do I have winning the World Cup? Who do you have winning the award is that? Let's talk about finals quickly, we've already kind of previewed every team, right? So now, who goes in the finals, who beats who? And who wins it? That's the big question. We talk all this talk and all this hype. I want to know who's going to win it. Let's see who's more correct. 
Okay, so you want to just talk the, the two finalists, or for do you sure. want to go with the semifinalists as well? You start from wherever you want. Okay, so uh, in terms of you know, I'll give you my top fi- my final four in terms of you know, I'll give up a semifinalists there as okay. well, just for you know for intrigue pur- purposes. In one semifinal, I have France and Brazil, and then in the other semifinal, I have Argentina, Germany, and my final. So that, France and Brazil. France and I think that that top half based on how I'm looking at it, is going to be France and Brazil. And who comes out? And I think the final, which would have been an, a classic at the last World Cup, but I have Brazil and Argentina in the final at this World Cup. Wow, and both South American teams. Both South American teams. And as much, as, even though I believe the major storyline in this tournament is how Brazil rebounds from the devastation and disaster that 2014 and how Neymar could carry this squad to glory, as much as it would be an icing on the cake to have Brazil winning it, there's just something about Argentina since these World Cup qualifiers started where he said, I'm going to retire from international football. I'm done from the disasters of the two Copa America finals where they lost to Chile, from the the, the last game where they needed against Bolivia. It was a, I think it was Bolivia where they needed Messi to score a hat trick to even get to the World Cup finals. With all that being said, I think this is all just put on a silver platter. Destiny has a line for Lionel Messi to finally put an end to all this rubbish that is he can't be the world's best player of all time because he doesn't have a World Cup. Get that out of the way. He wins his first World Cup. Wins Golden Boot? I won't go that far. Okay. But, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hyping these guys up a little too much. But I think Messi does enough to finally end it. And Argentina beats Brazil. Messi gets one up on Neymar. Neymar is not ready yet to be the heir apparent of Messi. And Argentina are your 2018 FIFA World Cup champions in Russia. Moran, Moran, Moran. So you had France and you had France and Brazil and you had Argentina and Germany. Yeah, yeah. look, like it's, it's, it's tough because the way I had it lined out was Argentina beats Peru. Then they beat Spain, and then they beat Germany. That's a tr- and then they beat Brazil in the finals. That's a treacherous road, and I don't think you would be able to deny Messi of the world's best player of all time through that road to the World Cup final. Sadly, sadly enough, we're on the wrong page again because I only have one of those teams in my semifinals. So I have France as the alone team. So in the first semifinal, I have France versus Belgium, and that one. So Belgium, I had getting through Brazil. And their quarterfinal game to taking that one, I just think they're going to take over in terms of you know Brazil might choke in there. And then the other semifinals, I have Spain against England. So England are a very supplies team. I have England so beating. Have, that means you must have. I have like, England beating Germany. Germany. Yeah, and you know the voodoo that England has. Of, I of I do, but I just think that they get it done somehow. And I have Spain beating Argentina in the that, other quarterfinals. You know, yeah. The quarterfinals for me are all stacked, and it was a very difficult choice when you get there. Um, going further, France versus Belgium. I, I just think that when Paul Pogba needs to be the biggest in that game, right? They're going to have a lot of weight on his shoulders. And he's ultimately not going to deliver in that game. I really oh. do think so. I think Belgium take that game. I just think France have that, again, that voodoo of that personalities of that. So many star players, but can they all click at once? I don't think they're going to do it against Belgium. I think that Hazard, De Bruyne are just going to be too good for them. Belgium are going to head to their World Cup final. 
And the other semifinal, Spain versus England. England already knocked off Germany. They're going on some Cinderella run. Spain's going to stop that right out of here and say, hey, we're back. We're back. You know, our possession football, we got uh, Diego Costa, who's going to be terrific for them in terms of striking. He's going to get the goals that they need. I don't think they're going to score too many in the World Cup. But that defense, I just think you can't. It's going to be so hard to break down Ramos, uh, you know, Busquets holding, Ramos, uh, PK, De Gea. The team just knows how to play defense, and they're going to keep so much possession that you're not going to have too many chances to attack. So I have Spain and Belgium. In the finals, my winner is this another 2010 winner. Spain's going to take it again. It's a tough one. I didn't. I, it was hard for me to go with Spain, but once I did these, I just think, again, Belgium, like I talked about France, the World Cup final is going to be maybe too big of a moment for Belgium. Whereas Spain, you just have so many players that have so much experience. So many La Liga players in Barcelona, Real Madrid, have been in Champions League finals, who've been in big stages in the World Cup already that this is not going to be something that they're going to be overly nervous about. So we both went different ways. You had two South American teams. Me, I went with the uh, stick with the European teams. It's the finals, you know, World Cups in Europe. So I'm going to go with Spain and Belgium. Spain, ultimately going to be the winners. They're going to win. They're going to have the World Cup that they had in 2010 again. It's going to be a close one, though. I think anything can happen. Once again, there is no favorite. I really think in this World Cup, there might be odds makers favorite. But there is no favorite, and I think that you can have a reasonable choice of almost six different teams winning this one. So I think that is a good way to wrap up our first podcast of Spot Kick. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was our first one, a little bit rough, but uh, we'll be continuing to go and making podcasts after each round of games. So once each team plays their first match, we'll review all the matchups. Um, kind of give us an analysis go through the feedback of every single game so even the games that have the lower teams we'll still talk about them there's always gonna be amazing storylines for sure uh anything to add to that to moran no it was a pleasure argent i think we got it done you know we had a lot of planning on oh, towards sure. this and i'm just glad we got the first one out of the way i hope you liked it i hope you you know you're dismissive of any mistakes we made or dismissive of any awkward moments or any wordings that we didn't get right but like we said we're going to be here quite frequently from now on in we're going to be providing not only world cup stuff but also premier league football world football and i can't wait to do it with arjun arjun walia moran mohammadi this was the first episode of spot kick